This is John Hulsman, and welcome to our latest Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, where we try to make sense of the beguiling new planet we find ourselves in. And today we return to our old friend politics to look at the world there. Uh, trust me, we'll be back at Ukraine as soon as possible. But I think it was time to take stock of the Biden presidency, as the United States remains by far the most important country in the world. And there's a great story brewing that very few people are following because to hear the mainstream media, President Biden is just having a little local difficulty. And I would argue exactly the opposite. He is terminally floundering. This is a failed Jimmy Carter-like presidency. And all the mainstream media can talk about is the missing Donald Trump. They miss, the media miss Trump. It's a weird symbiotic relationship. All their ratings are down. In some cases like CNN and MSNBC, catastrophically down because they don't have the big orange man to use as a boogeyman. And boy, do they miss him. Talking about Biden in process is a lot less interesting than demonizing a man who loves to be demonized. And so that's with that symbiotic relationship out of the way, at least for the moment, uh, they keep desperately trying to change the subject, but absolutely no one is fooled. And this is true in foreign affairs, too. I can't tell you the number of times over the last year. And my favorite example is I took a German academic to task for Germany's 20 years of strategic slumber. And her only argument back as her eyes glowed with hatred, as I accurately pointed out, Germany's nonsensical devotion to being in the pocket of Russian gas as a drug addict asking its dealer for more with Nord Stream 2, spending no money on defense and free riding off the United States. The list goes on and on as this has been the terminally most catastrophically stupid policies one can imagine. She didn't argue with any of that. She looked at me, hissed, her eyes glowing, and said, you gave us Trump, as though I were personally responsible for the last president. It's the greatest whataboutism of all time, that logical fallacy. We can ignore one thing by bringing up the problems of another, and it's, it's sadly because no one's ever taken a logic class in power, even at the academic or elite policy level, it's what you hear and the mainstream media are doing this. Every time you mention something about Biden, they say, yes, but what about Trump? I gently say to them, Trump is no longer president. Let's look and analyze the, the current president, much as I did the last one. And let's look at Biden. There are three reasons I think that his presidency is terminally floundering. Before I get to the three reasons, let me make a further point. Most Americans agree with me that Biden's approval rating is at 41%. Let me tell you, as an old Washington hand, a rule of thumb, when you look at Real Clear Politics' average of polling, the poll of polls, which is great at Real Clear. And the standard rule of thumb in Washington is that if a president has an approval rating of over 60%, he can tell Congress what to do. He is so popular out in the country itself that he drives the agenda. So over 60, he can pretty much do as he like. Think Lyndon Johnson after 1964, Ronald Reagan in 1980 and 1984, or Franklin Roosevelt in 1932 or 1936. That's what we're looking at. Over 60, and he's in charge. Under 40, and again, pollsters measure polling in America almost daily, and this is a temperature guide to the political health of the president. And everyone, 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 from the lowliest aid-answering male in the Congress up until the highest member of the National Security Council reads these numbers every day like the rest of the country reads baseball scores. And these numbers are clear. 
Again, over 60, the president can do what he likes, but under 40, and the president has to be squelching rumors that he's dead, that he's dead. And President Biden is at 41% in the barely comatose category, which sums up his presidency pretty well. 41%, and this number, which started in the mid-50s when he came into office, has gradually headed down, with key moments being when it, when it tumbled, the debacle in Afghanistan when Biden lost his reputation for competence, and the increase in inflation, which is what's going to do in the Biden presidency, ultimately, in my view. So why is it at 41%, which is a very dangerous number, everyone would agree, and why am I saying it's going to stay at this very low level, a barely comatose man in a barely comatose presidency? Well, first, there's a story that no one in the mainstream media wants you to hear about Hunter Biden. And Joe Biden isn't the first person to have relatives that cause him no end of trouble. Uh, you think of Jimmy Carter's brother, Billy, who had no skills whatsoever, much like Hunter, and somehow was doing deals with Muammar Gaddafi. And this, of course, was a source of great shame and anger to Carter that he had to deal with it. Biden, worse, is protective of his son, despite the fact that he's done highly dubious business deals with no experience of any kind in both Ukraine and China. In the case of Ukraine, he made several billion dollars from an energy company, despite having no background in geology, no background in political risk, no background other than being, at the time, the son of the vice president. And that's not a position. That's not a title. That's not something you run for office for. That's not an accomplishment. And yet they paid him, Burisma, the company paid him several million dollars. One can only assume they assumed they were buying influence. Otherwise, why would they pay a man with no talent and no qualifications the money? Obviously, for anyone using a brain, and I don't mean this legally, I mean this practically. I mean this let's learn to think again. Obviously, they paid him because they thought they were going to gain influence to Joe Biden. Hunter has no other qualities to be involved on the board of an energy company at all or to be the intern of an energy company at all. His only qualifications are he's the son of the vice president. That's corruption. It may be legal, but it's corruption, and we all know it. The second point, though, is that as a grand jury is investigating Hunter's business dealings, Joe Biden may have indeed said things that were simply not true. During the campaign, Biden said he incredibly, and the press didn't call him on it. Again, the mainstream media, so attack dog-like with Republicans and such a double standard, so sheep-like with Biden when he said he's never spoken to his son one time about his business dealings. Think about that statement. And he made this during the campaign and the media did absolutely nothing to call him on this. Think about this. Never at Christmas did Biden say to his son, how's business going? He never said that. That's what he said categorically. I've never discussed his business dealings with him. Never at Thanksgiving, never at Christmas, never with the kids getting together, never how his involvement because he's working overseas despite having no qualifications. Biden was this incurious, this incurious. It simply doesn't pass the laugh test. And yet no one in the Pulitzer Prize winning group of the Washington Post and New York Times thought to ask, how is this possible? How can this possibly be true? And instead, because in their effort to destroy the hated Trump, they gave Biden a free pass while he hid out in his basement at the time. 
Also, now during the grand jury, it has come out in line with what Toby, Tony Bobolinsky said. Bobolinsky is a former business partner of Hunter Biden who soured on working with Hunter, worried that what he was doing was unethical, sensibly enough, and told this story, which evidently has now been repeated to the grand jury that's investigating Hunter in Delaware. This according to the Times of London. There's an email from a Chinese energy company. Yes, another great friend of America, the Chinese, saying we need to hold money for H for the big guy. And Bobolinsky said H is obviously Hunter. The big guy is obviously Joe Biden. And when asked this, Bobolinsky said, of course, it's Joe Biden. Again, let's use our brains. Let's use our thinking. Let's be rational and logical, which we've not been for a very very long time on both sides. It's gotten hysterical. Obviously, H needs to hold money for the big guy means Hunter needs to hold money for Joe. Really, he ought to be asked this question, and yet he has not been incredibly. The preternaturally incurious press of the mainstream media, totally in the tank for the left. I'd have more time for these guys if any of them had ever voted Republican. I despite being a Jeffersonian realist and a staunch member of the GOP, have voted for Democrats on numerous occasions. Have any of these ideologues ever voted Republican? When I go to news studios, I can tell you the answer is absolutely not. They are so ideological and in the tank that they don't ask him what H holding money for the big guy means when all of us hearing that know what it means. But this isn't going to go away because finally, Given this avalanche of information, they were asked, the New York Times and the Washington Post have admitted, admittedly on paragraph 23 of their story, that Hunter Biden is in trouble and that some of these things point worryingly toward the White House. This is a scandal that's going to run and run because back to logic, it has the added advantage, as Mark Twain would say, of being the truth. And so look for Hunter Biden to weigh on Joe as time goes on and him not to be able to escape so easily into his basement now that COVID is coming to an end, and he might actually have to answer a question about this. And Joe speaking leads me to the second problem, that in Ukraine, this is an area where he deserves some credit. The, the Biden administration, and, and I, know, I know Tony Blinken quite well, not quite well, I know him, uh, from my days in Washington, uh, we were kids together starting out on the kind of think tank circuit, he was working for the Clinton administration at the time, and I was at Heritage. Um, Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan and Julie Smith and the rest of them, they're not George Kennan or Henry Kissinger. There's no dazzling uh, diplomatic sleights of hand here, but they're steady, and they've done a good job on Ukraine and deserve credit for it in being the arsenal of democracy, in giving Ukraine all the help we can short of entering the war. So it's been the Biden administration has threaded that very difficult needle of being supportive of the Zelensky government in Ukraine, organizing the West very ably, organizing sanctions nobody thought they could get in place. They deserve great credit for this without provoking World War III or directly getting involved into this black hole. And I think they deserve great credit for threading that needle. But a good deal of this work was undone when Biden went to Europe again and went off script, always dangerous. And this is the reason that they shield him from the media as much as possible, because he makes gaffe after gaffe after gaffe. And we need to say this brutally. 
I know Joe Biden and I like him. I've met him at a number of Aspen events in Italy. He was one of the only senators to still bother to come over to Europe in a cool old school way that it mattered the alliance and he ought to listen. And he did with charm and grace along with his wife who was fantastic. And so I have nothing against him and I'm an American first and a Republican, a poor second. Of course I want his presidency to succeed, but I have to bluntly tell you he's lost a step which happens to men in their 70s. I'm sure it will happen to me, but I won't be running for president when I'm 78. And I don't think I met my mental acuity is slower than the president's right now. And that's a sad thing to say. Um, and it shows why they keep him away. He's lost a step. During just this couple day period when he went to the G7, NATO and EU meetings, he told a bunch of American soldiers that they would soon be deployed to Ukraine Obviously not true, obviously not the policy, obviously they walk it back. He made it clear he wanted regime change with Putin. Well, you can argue who doesn't, but we don't need the president saying that. In the Cold War, American presidents realized the stakes and measured their words beautifully. Two examples of this suffice, one from a Democrat and one from a Republican. Jack Kennedy, after winning the single most important battle of the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, said to his staff, let's not crow, let's not embarrass the Russians, let's not say anything triumphalist, let's go on. Winning was enough. And Kennedy was absolutely right. Being a gentleman had the added advantage of being good policy. At the same time, George Herbert Walker Bush at the end of the Cold War had a very similar message. Let's not humiliate the Russians as they leave Germany. We've just won the greatest strategic prize of the Cold War. Let's not humiliate them on the way out the door. And because, again, he was a waspy gentleman and Kennedy just one of nature's gentlemen, this was exactly the ethical thing to do, ethical realism and the right policy. Compare this to Biden, who goes around calling Putin a war criminal. Absolutely the truth. Saying he wants regime change in his heart of heart. Absolutely the truth and absolutely what he shouldn't be saying, because you cannot negotiate with someone who you want to destroy their regime. It's an absolute war then. And that is not the American policy, nor can it be the American policy when dealing with a country that has nuclear weapons. The, the policy itself put in place by the foreign policy staff, by Tony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Julie Smith and others is the right one. Help the Ukrainians always short of war, but avoid the sinkhole of Ukraine because nuclear powers can't be going eye to eye with one another in conflict. But Biden saying troops are going to be deployed to Ukraine and that he wants regime change is not the message, confuses the message, confuses our enemies, confuses our friends, and makes the United States look threatening at best and doddering and inconsequential and senile at worst. And so this isn't helped Biden in the ratings either. And then lastly, the thing that really will get Biden, the number one issue confronting Americans, and this is true almost always when we're not at world war, is either the unemployment rate or the inflation rate. In this case, it's inflation. The president's approval rating is almost causal based on the gas price. And is it going up or going down? Already, though, as Biden is desperately trying to blame Vladimir Putin for the energy crunch, fair enough, but inflation was out of control. As Larry Summers, one of the best secretaries of the Treasury we've ever had under Bill Clinton, my God, he balanced the budget. Can you imagine as an Eisenhower Republican? I'm thrilled. As Summers got right and the perpetually wrong Paul Krugman, the Yasser Arafat of macroeconomics, 
If he told me to go left, I'd go right. If he told me to go up, I'd go down. Wrong about everything. And somehow the folks in Scandinavia gave him the Nobel Prize for Economics, a bunch of left-wing Europeans giving a left-wing American an award. What a joke. Krugman perpetually wrong about inflation. And the Summers thesis is basic, that the government, particularly under Trump, but mostly Biden, we're, we're fearful that we would not bounce back from COVID as an economy as quickly as we would. So they erred on the side of, they thought, caution, prime the pump, threw money at the problem in a Keynesian way, increased government spending by 14 to 15 percent of GDP. This is wartime numbers. And the economy bounced back far quicker than they thought. So now we have an economy running at just where it was before COVID and 14 to 15 percent more government spending. The math is the math is the math, is the math. That will lead to inflation. That will lead to raging inflation. With the inflation rate between 6 and 8% now, I think we can say that the beast has loosed his chains, that the two, dec the two generations of preternaturally fantastic work by Ronald Reagan and Paul Volcker are out the door, and that as a result, inflation is back with a vengeance. And then you add in the energy shock. And so you have the 1970s. You already have raging inflation. Then we had the Yom Kippur War of 1973 and the Iranian Revolution of 1979. And you get an energy shock on top of an already overly inflationary Western world. And what do you get? As Larry Summers said, stagflation. I give us great credit at my firm. We were very, very early to say this ahead of any other analyst or any other risk group I can think of. On the macro, our guys have done fantastically well, but Larry Summers deserves full marks. He was first. And as he said just yesterday in an interview for the New York Times, there's no way out of recession and stagflation now. It's too far advanced. The, the central banks of the world are scrambling to catch up, but they can't. And the president owns this one because he encouraged a priming of the pump. In fact, he's for, he's for actually expanding this with the progressive wish list and throwing more trillions on top of a fire. This is gasoline on a raging fire, only stopped by the sanity of the sane and very useful senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, who said, I can't be for this excess spending because of inflation. Exactly right. You did the country a service, Senator. Thank you for that. And so you have in these three things a looming scandal, the verbal gaffes culminating in confusing Ukraine policy, which is a matter of war and peace, and most of all, the issue most Americans care about, the at top of their list, inflation, and Biden let loose the beast of two generations. And there's nothing the mainstream media can do. And as central banks scramble to catch up with interest rates, which are a blunt instrument, they're going to have to hit a moving target at which they are very, very poor. Um, in the last six times that inflation got out of control, there's a recent study, five times it remained out of control. You either overshoot and then you have recession with interest rates or you undershoot and you still have raging inflation. In both cases, bad, bad news. And most Americans now think Joe Biden will not run for re-election. There's a reason for that. He's passed it. The presidency is the most demanding job of the world and Joe Biden has failed this. So while the mainstream media obsesses about Donald Trump, their you know, missing bogeyman that they, they, they can't believe isn't here to help with the ratings, they're not looking at the, big, the single biggest story in terms of policy and politics in America that for scandal reasons, for foreign policy reasons, for gaffe reasons, and for macroeconomic reasons, the Biden presidency is terminal.
and we will see this soon with the midterms that will lead to a solid, if not overwhelming, it'll be between these two, Republican victory in the House. And I think the Republicans, though it's much closer, will take the Senate. Then the presidency enters its final phase. And then ironically, and we'll talk more about this later, the only thing that can save Biden is Donald Trump. This is where Trump enters the equation at the very end. But more about that later. What you need to know for now is the Biden presidency is terminal, whatever the mainstream media is saying in terms of whataboutisms. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that. That was fun to do. Get back to politics. For those of you who have enjoyed this, please do subscribe. Again, we've doubled our subscription list in just the last month, and we are honored so many of you are taking us as your little local newspaper to the world. And for those of you who have subscribed, please do give. The only way this works, and we can devote more resources and energy to this, if you like our book serializations, if you like our culture section where we're reviewing Hitchcock movies, next week is Hitchcock in the 50s, Around the World in 20 Minutes, our Wednesday feature about foreign policy. Thursday, we have J.L. Ryder, Look at the Society. Friday, Publius, Looking at the Politics, and me doing vlogs wherever I can. We've become a fully-fledged newspaper, and for that, we're asking only $7 a month, $70 a year to give you this very unique unbridled take on what's going on where I get to talk directly to our community and you get to answer. This is the future of news media and we're happy to be at the vanguard with you. Take care.